The Secrets of Technology is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Technology. Hi, I'm Dom Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of Technology, where we discuss the technology news that's important to you from a uniquely Catholic point of view. And joining me today on the panel are Jack Barazzini. Hi, Jack. Hey, Dom. How's it going? Very well, thanks. And Thomas Sanero. Hey, Thomas. Hey, Dom. How's it going? Very well. It's going well. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty good. Uh, still. <laughs> Small talk. It's tough. I, I'm not good at it either. Uh, so, the quarantine. Uh, it's, yes, oh, man, it's, it's tra- killing me. It's, yes. The, the, the not interacting with people on a regular basis. So uh, we always start with uh, lately, for some reason, my tale of woe of the week. And uh, I'm still I'm still going to do a jingle. And uh, so this week, actually, I wanted to talk a little bit about something that uh, that went bad, but went well. And that's uh, I have a, a 2015 MacBook Pro Retina that I've had for a long time. And I use it mainly these days. My primary computer is an iMac, uh, but I use the MacBook Pro mainly when I have to be away from the desk for any length of time. And uh, my kids do some work on it, they some school work on it. Uh, so I was about to head off on vacation. That's why you didn't hear us a couple weeks ago. I was away for a week. I, I got to hide away. And uh, I wanted to make sure I took my laptop with me in case there was anything that came up needed to be taken care of uh, with work. Uh, so I got I got it out to get ready, and it was dead. The, I got the blinking uh, question mark over a file folder. Uh, that's the one thing you never want to oh, see. Oh, that's the worst. That's the, the worst one. one. Yes. Um <laughs> Uh, even better is the uh, backups were no weren't working. So uh, apparently, oh, no. which is goes back to always test your backups. That's what I always say. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's okay because it was like I said, it wasn't my primary computer, and I didn't have anything on it that I was that I. I, I that's why I didn't check the backups on that one all frequently because that's not the primary computer. But I ended up having to 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 replace that computer with a new one because it wasn't time to get a new one. Uh, to to get to get that one fixed before I left, and uh, and I kind of needed a new one anyway, because that was pretty old. Uh, so I got something new. Uh, but in the meantime, since we got back, I have fixed that MacBook, uh, w- replaced the SSD, and it, the way I did it was it was very, it was, frankly, r- more simple than any other hard drive replacement I've ever done in a, in a Mac. Uh, the first thing you do when you when you need to do any kind of repair to Mac is you go to ifixit.com. And you look up your computer, and they have guides for everything. I once replaced the LCD screen on a MacBook. Uh, about, That's awesome. Uh, about 10, 12, year, 12 years ago. That's when I was uh, – long story. It was about when I was buying my house. Uh, that's how I remember when I did it. I bought the screen off of eBay. I mean, it was the that was the hardest repair I've ever done on a computer. Uh, but this is straightforward. You unscrew the back. You unscrew this little board, which is the uh, SSD. It's the, it's an NVMe drive. That's not really important. Uh, and then I had purchased from Otherworld Computing at MacSales.com. This was a previous pick of the week. I think Father Corey picked it. Uh, their Aura SSD. I got a 480 gig SSD for 140 bucks or something like that. And you just pull out the bad one, pop in the good one, screw everything back together again, start it up. You have to start it up in uh, network recovery mode because there's no operating system on it. 
and uh, which it it the Mac OS is really good at that. It says, "Hey, there's no OS here," and uh, so let's connect to the internet. Where's their Where's their internet? It connects. Uh, it starts up over the internet with a very bare bones operating system, and then you run the installer. Boom, like that, and then uh, just got you know had to do some installation and stuff. And now I've got this uh, this computer that now is set up for my kids to use. Uh, my son does mm-hmm. his uh, he has a STM Math website or something that still uses Adobe Flash. I had to install Adobe Flash Player oh on my computer. <laughs> like I no in December <laughs> I don't know what they're going to do because in December Adobe Flash will no longer work. It's going offline. Like Adobe yeah. has announced. So they they better be like programming like crazy to get something else in place to replace it. But uh but he uses that and he likes that and we use it for some other things. But uh, so that's my my tale of woe, but it ended well. So the Yeah. That's not too bad. That's uh, that sounds like uh, how I repurpose all of the laptops that I get. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> people are like it's junk. I don't really need it anymore. Yes. And so I, I'll just bring it home and I'll grab uh, a Linux install and put it on a USB drive and then just shove it in the USB uh, slot and there we go. That's right. That's right. Yeah, well, that's new Linux laptops. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that's the great thing is is like these older and we can well this is actually going to come up again maybe in a, in a little bit. Uh, these o- older laptops can have a second life. Uh, doing things that aren't all that heavy lifting, you know. The mm-hmm. if if your kids are just you know doing uh, Google Classroom or Zoom or whatever, and they're doing writing papers and they're looking up stuff online and doing messages, it doesn't need like a, a five or six year old laptop is probably sufficient. So, but we'll 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 come to that in a minute because uh, uh, our main topic for this this week is uh, as as a most of you or all of you, all of your parents out there know uh, school is around the corner and school in 2020 is unlike anything <laughs> we've ever seen before. <laughs> so. It's awesome. <laughs> I'll tell you what, though, I, I am I am so proud of the school that I'm at. Uh, I'm uh-huh. doing I'm basically like a tech coach this year. They've they've moved me out of the classroom and I'm I'm teaching the teachers how to do all the stuff that they need to do. Uh-huh. And we have pushed to the 15 years in the future school. And so we have the little robots that follow the teachers around so that they, they track the teachers around the room and keep an iPad on them at all times. And we have half and half learners. So half of our learners are in class, half of them are at home. It's awesome. I am, I am like in, in the dream world of education. (laughs) right now. (laughs) Well, did, did you guys see that short treks that they had earlier this year, uh, where it was in, uh, the the time frame of Picard with the two girls at the yeah. future school, the Federation school, like with all that stuff. I'm like, that's kind of, you know, that's kind of like what, what, what school should be like right now with these, the, yeah. these see-through screens in front of them and stuff. But, uh, mm-hmm. uh, well, the big thing for, for a lot of parents is right now is there's going to be a lot of long distance learning. Some kids are going back to classrooms. Some kids are doing part time in classrooms. Some kids are doing all remote to start. Uh, and a lot of people have decided I'm just homeschooling my kids now. And yep. uh, and and those that brings up all kinds of tech questions. And frankly, as we all know, back in March, when everything shut down and schools shut down, uh, a lot of people were kind of thrown for a loop like suddenly dropped into the deep end of remote learning and the technology and didn't know what to do. Uh, You know, how do I deal with this? So now that we've had some time and we had a little bit of a break over the summer uh, to think about this, a lot of parents are confronted with the question of like, well, how do I make this work better than it did 
a few months ago. And so I wanted, I thought we could talk about a bit about some of the questions that come up. And some of this is uh, inspired by an article I read uh, by uh, Hiawatha Bray, who's a, a, a great technology col- columnist for the Boston Globe uh, and uh, is a, a good, thoughtful uh, mainstream reporter uh, for the Globe uh, on technology. And uh, so he wrote this column talking about how to gear up for remote distance learning this fall. And so I kind of worked off of some of the the things he addressed. And so the first question, obviously, is the hardware, like like what they're going to actually use. And it really, some of this is determined by what the school says or hands out. But but you might also be given a choice of things. And so the first question is, computer or tablet? What do you guys think? Is uh, you know, is say that the school doesn't have a uh, is agnostic on the question. Mm-hmm. What, what does a parent go for, Jack? I would say a tablet. Honestly, that's going to be the future of computing. So if they're going to start learning how to use computing, I think that that's going to be a good way to go. You can always get a keyboard case if you need to type. And um, something we've been doing with my son, actually, is he has to trace letters on the screen. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you're going to be doing anything where you're going to be doing handwriting, a tablet with a pen is going to be better than using a keyboard right. with uh, like the touchscreen on your laptop. Interesting. Or yeah. with a touchpad on your laptop. Yeah, I very, I very much agree. Tablet, tablet is the way to go. And along with the tablet, remember they're kids. Mm-hmm. So get, get a case oh, to put yeah. the, the tablet in. Oh yeah! I, Do not skimp on the case. <laughs> all right, I have a different pick this week, but next week I'm going to give you my pick of the week for the the iPad case that I got <laughs> for nice. after the kids broke one of our iPads. Uh, so, but so which tablet? Actually, that's my next question: is do we, do they get an iPad, Amazon Fire, some Lord knows Android or Surface even? I would say steer away from the and uh, the Amazon Fire tablets just because their app store is kind of limited. So the mm-hmm. school, lots of schools use specific apps that may not be available on the Amazon store. I would I would recommend the iPad. I think it's like three twenty nine. Yes, on Amazon, mm-hmm. um, just the standard iPad, not the Mini or the Pro, and that's a good price for it. You can get the keyboard case for it, and it also works with the pen. Right. right. Yeah, you can be all in keyboard, iPad, and pen- Apple Pencil for right. Uh, you know, like under 500 bucks. Yeah, no, it's it's that. I think that's the best one. The uh, pin recognition is really good. And Android, if you're not looking to get into using too much technology or all the weird janky things that can happen with Android, I think Apple's probably the best bet. And then after that, I would say a Surface because it's Windows. And I I would go opposite order, but I would say the same thing. Surface, I would go for first and then uh, iPad after that. Mm -hmm. The reason I I pick Surface is just because Surface is more like a traditional uh, desktop environment. Even though it's a a tablet, it still has that more desktop feel. And so if you grab a keyboard and stick a keyboard on it, it's much more like using an actual computer than um, than any any experience you're going to get on an iPad. Right. And uh, what if you decide, okay, but we we really need a computer? What, uh, Thomas? I I, I can guess <laughs> you're going to say uh, get a, a cheap Windows computer or an inexpensive one and throw Linux on it. That's, I would love to say that, but I know for most parents that is not going to be the reality. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so, uh, you know, and, and that's what I'm doing with my kids. I just got a whole bunch of uh, the computers from the school that we're getting rid of and uh, we're, we're donating them somewhere. And so apparently eight of them are going to be donated to my house. We're homeschooling and that's what we're doing with them. But um, 
yeah, I, if, if you do want to go that route, there are some easy operating systems. Uh, Linux Mint and Linux Ubuntu are both are two of the flavors of uh, Linux that are really easy to install. They have very much a feel of the traditional kind of Windows-style desktop. Um, so if you do want to go that route, awesome. More power to you. If you're a little tech-savvy and you want to uh, look around on the internet for the answers, go for it. Uh, but no, I would I would actually go with uh, the Surface Pro versions. Uh, Microsoft is making some great tech right now. I would second that. Yeah, the Surface Pros are really nice. How about Chromebooks? That's going to depend on if your school is supporting them. Some schools use those and they actually give them out to students. But if they're not, I wouldn't go buy one on my own. Right. Like Windows I, laptop for about the same price or a little bit more, and it does a lot more. Right. Right. And if you're looking for deals, if you're looking for deals, always go for the refurbished. Yeah. Um, yeah. The certified refurbished is the way to buy a computer. In fact, the, even with Apple, uh, this is my always my recommendation. You go to apple.com, scroll all the way to the bottom, and go click on the bu- the button for the refurb and whatever. It says refurbished and something. I forget. Yeah. Uh, store. Go there and... And look at this. It, it's it's not always the most things, and you know you're not going to find every single kind of computer they sell, or iPad, or even you know iPhone. And they all of their stuff is usually there at one point or another. But uh, you're usually going to get a pretty good deal, and they're they are like brand new when they come out of, uh, from their refurb, and that you get the warranty of a brand new, so you don't have to worry mm-hmm. about oh it's. You know, did someone take it home and dent it or break it somehow? And now I'm going to get this. It's not like open box from, you know, Joe's computers down on the corner. Right. <laughs> you know, they, they've yeah. gone over with a fine tooth tooth. Comb. Right. The only difference is you don't get the nice packaging. Right. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Yeah, you don't. I mean, which is, you know, fine. I That usually goes yeah. right in the trash <laughs> afterward anyway. But uh, and, and the uh, and in fact, in some ways, I think the refurb is a little better than the factory you know, straight from the factory because the refurb has been gone over. Right. Like they, mm-hmm. br- they brought it in and they went over it individually as opposed to just, you know, coming off the line. So I, I, I sometimes think those are even better. If you want something even a little less expensive, you can try like for, for Mac stuff, you could try and for the other stuff too, for that matter. Best Buy sometimes has some deals on mm-hmm. refurbished. Uh, so you can look at them. But uh, if I were going to get a, a Mac for a kid, um, I don't know that I would for at this level, you know, whether I, I, if you, if you really want to stay in the Apple ecosystem, I'd get a, uh, an iPad. But if I, if I thought, Oh, they, they're high school and they really need a laptop and I want it, I am a Mac guy. Uh, one of the MacBook airs under a thousand, you know, uh, mm-hmm. brand new. I would say Acer is a really good budget computer brand that makes reliable hardware. Yeah. That's yep. yeah. So if you're going to stick with windows, I would say, look at those. One thing to consider when you're getting a laptop is yeah. the size, though, too. So make sure you pay attention to the dimensions. And that's that's really the biggest reason I recommend the Surface is because it has the dimensions of the Macs, but it's a Windows machine and it, you can get them pretty cheap. So in other words, not too big, you mean? Right. Yeah. Right. You don't want For something kids. that's too large. Yeah. Because yeah. uh, the kid, kids are going to have to sometimes tote, you know, eventually tote this around when they are able to leave their homes and go to right. school. Uh, that's a good point. Um, all, if you're going Windows, Windows 10, right? That's Make sure absolutely the only option at this point. Yeah, right, you can't do anything else. <laughs> if you yeah. buy a used, if you're buying a used laptop, say some, you know, some guy on Facebook Marketplace is selling a used laptop. What, what's your? Do you have any advice for someone on that? I would say completely wipe it first. 
Yes. Okay. Make sure Do not. Yeah, don't just run it out of the box. But it's got like all the Adobe Photoshop on it and all the games that I'm giving you no, for free. <laughs> yeah, no, it doesn't. <laughs> I would say if you're going to be getting an older laptop, Linux is going to be a better option to begin yes. with. Right. Because it's going to run cleaner anyways. Yeah. And, and the great thing about a Linux install at that point is um, you can set it up on a bootable USB and you just you plug it in before you even turn the laptop on, turn the laptop on right. and it just wipes the whole thing starts fresh. Okay. And that's a good way to do it. And you want to start fresh because you don't want any viruses, any malware, any bootloaders, any junk that could be still sitting on someone else's computer uh, that they could take take you for a ride. I also think Linux for kids starting out is actually a good way to get them into computing. That's actually how I got into computing um, when I, but I was actually homeschooled and I had an old laptop that had Windows ME on it. And it was horrible. Mm. So I installed Ubuntu on it. This is probably 15 years ago now. Uh-huh. And that worked way better. And by doing that, I was able to figure out how to actually use a computer. Right. That's so great. I think that's a good way to get started in computing. That's true. That's true. And great skills to have that those tech skills are right. <laughs> marketable, but also useful, frankly, it, yeah, uh, exactly. in life. <laughs> Not just marketable. Uh, and budget on that, on, on a computer, like, Say what would you think? Five hundred? Someone should budget. Say four to five hundred would be yeah. a good budget. Huh? Now, Thomas, uh, uh, I kind of addressed it to you just because I know you have a bunch of kids, and and we're we're in similar boats. How many computers should we expect to have? Should it be one to one? Ideally, yes. <laughs> uh, and and the reason the reason I say that is because it, it become it becomes an issue with the kids when. Oh, I need to get on to do this. Oh, I need to get on to do that. Or they have they have a meeting at the same time. And a lot of it, again, depends on how your school is running things. So if your school is going completely asynchronous and you can set up time for your kids to work on things as they need to, then, uh, you know, maybe only one computer is going to be okay or one device is going to be okay. But really, you need to go more one-to-one. And I'll, I'll tell you, honestly, I brought home three laptops for my kids today from the, the set that we were getting rid of. And my wife's like, only three? Why? Why only three? <laughs> you need to get some more. <laughs> go back and grab some more if you can. So, yeah. uh, so I'm going to go back and get three more tomorrow because she would like to be one to one on yep. the computers. Okay. I would say if you can find deals on old Dell business laptops like the Dell Inspirons, mm-hmm. those things are workhorses. They're really durable. So if you can get one of those for cheap, that's always a good option too. Mm, interesting. That is true. Yeah, in my house. So I've got five kids. My oldest is high school now. She's just starting. She's not technically, she's homeschooled. They're all homeschooled, but she's 14. So she's t- starting high school level work. Um, she has a Chromebook that I got for free as a review unit a few years ago that got to keep. So that's what she uses. She's also got an iPhone that doesn't have service that just she uses for music and whatever. But uh, but she's got a Chromebook and that's what she uses. The, my next daughter is 12. She's got an iPad, the my old iPad Pro that I passed down to her. Uh, and then... The next one has uh, a newer, like an uh, like the one of the three twenty nine iPads, and then we have like a stack of probably six inches t- high of old iPad twos and stuff <laughs> yeah. of that vintage that my <laughs> that Pat, my mother in law, uh, uh, heads off to us when her clients get rid of them. So nice, uh, yeah. You know, and that's then, the best way to get them, man. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, and that's why why this laptop that I just fixed is going to be so important because I'm gonna my son who's using that ipad is who's uh what's he now uh 11 he's needs more of a computer computer now mm-hmm. uh because 
the the math program he uses is not available on iPad. It's Adobe Flash for some crazy right. reason. <laughs> Can you tell him a little bitter? <laughs> so <laughs> what about so these days kids need if they're doing Zooms and Google Classroom and that sort of stuff, they need webcam and headsets, microphone, maybe what, what, what do they need in that realm? So some of these computers will come with webcams. A lot don't though, right? I would say it's most laptops you're going to buy now are going to have a webcam built in. It's really rare that you find one that doesn't. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, so if they, so if they've got a webcam, that's good. If they don't have a webcam, uh, what do you have a recommendation? I mean, is <laughs> it's a, it's kind of a crapshoot yeah. on the webcams. I, I would say that really the the thing, and it's interesting too, because the thing that you're looking for in a good webcam um, is just an ease of use factor and a good microphone, Mm -hmm. because uh, that's where most of your sound is going to come from, because a lot of people are not investing in good headphones or in good microphones. Right. Um, So you you want something that's going to be able to kind of be a both and solution. Uh, That being said, they're not cheap and they're very hard to find right now. Right. Which is a really interesting problem. <laughs> yeah. I'd say if you need to find something that you got to set up separately from the laptop itself, you should worry about the microphone and just make sure you get a laptop that has the webcam built in. Because the image, as long as they can see you, it's not going to, it doesn't matter if it's mm-hmm. super crisp, but the audio is going to be more important. That's true. That's true. Um, for, so now I can talk about mi- microphones and headsets and that sort of thing from a podcast perspective, <laughs> which is uh, headsets while they're fine for gaming and and you your your kid will probably get away with it in a classroom setting with a headset uh but they are kind of noisy you know they the you, there's a lot of like rustling and they're because they're right there um but i wouldn't spend a ton of money on a on a, on a microphone like a, a no. podcast quality yeah, microphone no, you don't need need that in, invest in like a 20 dollar set of of headphones that have a microphone built into them that's what i was gonna say yeah because you know most of the time they're going to be muted Right on on the call, they're going to be muted. Yeah. They're going to unmute to ask a question to provide an answer, and then they're going to mute again. Uh, yes. So you don't want to waste money yeah, on and sound. If you get a separate <laughs> desk microphone. It's going to be hard enough getting the kids to sit still in front of the laptop in the first place. So it's not going to pick them up well right. to begin with. And there's a whole all this other stuff that you got to deal with in addition. Right. 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 Not to mention, if you're running a tablet, there really is not much of an option to plug in a, a desktop microphone. Right. That's right. That's right. And they tend to be expensive for the those sorts of tablet, especially iPad microphones and those sorts of things. Right. Uh, printer? What do you say? Like, do do we do do families who are got kids at home doing schoolwork? Do they need a printer? Avoid it like the plague if you can. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a nice to have, but if you got one at work that you're allowed to print random things off of, I would say just stick with that. That's what I do. But if not. You can buy a cheap one from Best Buy, just whatever's cheap, because all printers suck. <laughs> yeah. So, yes. yeah. Don't think that paying more money means you get a better printer. It no, does right. not. It no, just it, doesn't. It doesn't. They're, they're essentially disposable. I mean, I hate to say right. it, but they're essentially disposable. You know, uh, one thing I would, from the article I mentioned before by Hiawatha Bray that I would second is, um, if you have to buy a printer, the HP printers that do the subscription ink are, mm-hmm. are a pretty good deal, uh, because... Uh, I don't print a lot, so but but if with a subscription, um, if you print it all, uh, you know, and it does a way to figure out how many pages a month make it worthwhile. But it's a lot cheaper than buying ink, and and it just shows up. It, the printer is on the internet, and then once you get low, it it 
it says, hey, send them more ink and more ink just shows up in the mail as opposed to, ah, oh, it's 11 o'clock at night and I've, you have a paper due in the morning and then we don't have any ink and I've got to go find the 24-hour place to buy the ink for this p- printer. No, you're not going to have to do that. Um, one of the things, though, uh, they, they mentioned the EcoTank ones from Epson. I had an EcoTank. Uh, and this is supposed to be more convenient because they have these big tanks and you pour from a bottle the ink into this reservoir. <laughs> oh, was that messy? No, no, that no. Sounds like yeah, a disaster. No. That sounds that sounds awful. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that sounds like I do not want to do that. Well, because the bottle that that has been opened is now half full, needs to be somewhere. And right. the cap, at least of the ones that they had when I had it, uh, the caps were not the best caps in the world. Let's just mm. say. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I ended up like, hey, anybody want this? I gave it away to someone in my town, you know, on the town Facebook group. Like, anybody want a printer? Here you so go. So you cursed someone with it, huh? <laughs> yes, yes. It was, I was paying it backward. <laughs> yes, so, yes. <laughs> all right. So let's talk a little about internet service, all right? You've got the computer, now you're going to be connected to the internet. Uh, how much, how much speed or bandwidth, we, we use those interchangeably, but how much should people get? Uh, 10 gigabit, 10, you know, what, what is it we need out there? I would say don't go for less than a gig. Mm-hmm. Okay. If yeah. You can get like a hundred gigs. That's good, but a hundred megabit. Don't. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, okay. It's been interesting to see that Comcast and Verizon, which are two of the big ones out there. There are others out there. It all depends on who's in your neighborhood which which ISPs are there. Uh, but right. like Co- Comcast was doing some low-cost ones, some basic connection packages, like 25 megabit for $10 a month. Um, Verizon had one that was $20 a month for a 200 megabit connection, but you had to, it was based on uh, income. If you, if you didn't have, they had, they had mm. to do some income oh. qualification. Gotcha. But, uh, but uh, so you think a hundred is the minimum. Uh, and, you know, frankly, especially if you've got more than one kid, online at a time Mm -hmm. that's probably not a bad idea that's what's going to determine it yeah how many people are going to be online at once right and also i'm going to say more important than the amount of bandwidth you have from your isp is what kind of wi-fi uh access point you have yes Uh, and that's it's it's a really important thing to think about that first off and then also where are your kids going to be sitting when they're doing their work make sure that the access point is in that room and if that means that when you get the person to come out to install, uh, that you have them put a jack in the wall in that room, that's you want to go ahead and do that. Right. Do you, so which is better? A lot of these, like the ISPs, the the uh, the modem that they give you is also a Wi-Fi router. Is that acceptable work? I would say if. If at all possible, you're going to want to buy your own modem and your own router because you're going to it's going to be easier to manage. You're going to get more options. It's going to be quicker. Um, you're not going to get all that bloatware that they give you with their built in all in one modems. And those things, just in my experience, don't work that well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but on the flip side, it's going to depend on how much time do you want to spend troubleshooting your modem and your router and your kids computers and the connection to the school. Like you got to kind of pick your battles at that point. Yep. Right. So I have an Eero which is a mesh Wi-Fi system, uh, which means that there's a base station, uh, frankly, about six feet behind me. And then there are repeaters, essentially, uh, at several places in my house. I don't have a very large house, so I only have, I got two that cover my whole house. And and once I put that in, it's been a breeze to, like, I've, I, I don't have any more uh, Wi-Fi problems with 
you know, dead spots in my house. I used to, you know, have a, my phone when I go to bed, my, my, my bedroom's on the other side of the house. My phone would not connect to the internet sometimes, you know, like do late night updates. Nope. Uh, but now I have no problems in that vein. And it, it was, uh, it was nice and easy, but that tends to be a, a little bit more of an expensive of a solution. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, the route, what, what did you, could you think of a, like a standalone router that you would recommend? Like one Wi-Fi router that would be sort of, cause it used to be the, what was it? The, uh, the Linksys. Linksys was the way to go. Was, was the one. It's not so much that anymore. I mean, Linksys yeah. is still pretty good. Uh, Linksys is not, they, they still make pretty good equipment, but, there yeah. are other options out there that are pretty good. Linksys is good. Belkin is also pretty Belkin's decent. Another good one, yeah. yeah. Um, the uh, was it Netgear? How, what about Netgear? How is that these days? Are they even still around? <laughs> I haven't seen Netgear stuff in a while, honestly. So the 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 uh, the TP Link Archer is is expensive, but it's a good one. Um, it's a little bit more expensive. Uh, I've heard good things about the Synology routers, uh, but I but I have to I have to back up and say. I tend to pay attention to the higher technology and more expensive ones. So I'm not necessarily the best on that. I would say if you want a good cheap one, um, the Linksys N750, it's actually what I have right now. I've had it for probably two years now and it, it works totally fine. It covers my whole house. Okay. It, also though, if you can get a newer uh, router right now, they're, they're, are, they're updating the wireless LAN um coding and it's got a whole new set of things that's that's going into it that's going to make it faster and more uh acceptable to multiple users and things like that so if you are going to buy one it's actually a good time to buy a new one rather than an older one right uh and check the check the code and make sure that it's the newest um wireless access code it's i think wi-fi 6 is the new uh the new the The new new standard standard. yeah we're no longer doing 802.11 whatever right baloney now they just nice and simple wi-fi six yeah look for yeah look for wi-fi six on the router whatever it is you get um go to the wirecutter.com the the wirecutter.com and search for router there uh they'll they have they'll have a uh a listing of their picks for routers that's probably a good place to at least start uh to to see what the differences are um all right so we've talked about uh, wi-fi uh so Wi-Fi, not Ethernet. Should we run cables? You're going to have so much trouble finding a, any computers that connect to cables right. that kids are going to be using. Okay. Yeah. iPads are not. Doesn't have those anymore. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. They, exactly. Okay. Um, let's talk a little bit about software uh, that kids might use. Again, some of this, if you if you if your school system's got something, they might have something like the Google Classroom or the Google Suite. Uh, they'll, they'll probably tell you, oh, we're using Zoom or Google Meet or Google Classroom for the, the, the meetings or Moodle, which is another one that's out there. Um, and, uh, but one of the things that's important is, is time management for, for kids. Uh, do, do you guys have any recommendations in the software realm for, for the sort of thing that, that would be the first place to go for kids? I don't actually. I, with with mine, I have them set up timers. I, I make sure make it a priority for them to set a timer. And if I ever walk by them and ask, uh, "Hey, how long have you been on?" and they can't immediately flip over to tell me what their time is, they're off. Okay. I would also say um, make sure wherever they're working, you got their screens visible to 
where you can yes. see. You don't have them like off in a room where the screen's facing the wall. You want to make sure you can see what they're actually doing. Yes, yes. Uh, monitor what they're doing. Make sure they're working, not playing, never mind whatever else they could be doing online. I have a f- friend whose uh, son is spending she's she has she works in a hospital her son is at her mother's during the day doing his school from home they're doing remote school and uh she found out that he's been spending eight hours a day playing minecraft instead of doing his work because <laughs> grandma was trusting that he was doing what he was supposed to be doing yeah. right <laughs> Something else you can do is make sure you set up an admin account on the computers and then set up accounts for the kids and basically lock down everything everything else so they can't install things on their own. Right. Um, and if you want to get really into it, you can even set up rules on your firewall that'll block YouTube and different things like that so they're not just goofing off. That's right. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're on a Mac or iOS, you can use screen time to limit their time in certain kinds of apps. You can limit it by specific app or by category. You can say all game apps, uh, you know, uh, not between these hours and only for this amount of time. Uh, one of the things I did was I set up on our, we have an iPad that the kids use for, for games. And it has, I set up a shortcut in uh, iOS shortcuts that when they launch one of these games, it starts a timer in this app called Visual Timer. Uh, it checks to see if there's a timer already if already running. And if it's not already running, it starts a 20 minute timer and when the time's up, it also puts something in reminders on my uh, iOS account and my wife's iOS account. So when their time is up, I get a, a notification. My wife gets a notification and they get a notification that their time is up. And because uh, we give them 20 minute blocks, uh, basically. And uh, so that, uh, that I've, I think I put that on my blog. If I put it, if I've already put it on my blog, I'll put a, a link to it in the uh, in the show notes so that if you can see uh, how I ended up doing that. But uh, use the tools that are out there. You don't have to get that mm-hmm. complex, but there are tools out there to help you manage what your kids are doing on their devices and make sure they're using them correctly. Yeah. And remember you're making don't don't feel bad about it because you are making habits for them that are that are good. Even if they're doing schoolwork, they really don't need to be sitting in front of a computer for more than an hour at a time. Yes. They, they yeah. need a brain break. They need to step, stand up and step away. That's the big thing of, you know, with my kids who are homeschooled is they spend an hour or so in the morning, at you know, sitting down, doing work. They this, they do a couple hours in the afternoon where my wife does read alouds in history, science and literature. And other than that, like they they they're sort of free to to do play and read and what have you. Um, it doesn't have to take forever. And so don't don't buy the lie that they have to sit in front of a computer for eight hours a day. They're not mm-hmm. a drone office worker like some of us. you're organizing your time so that they're ideally spending as little time in front of a screen as possible yes yeah Yeah. so now some people like we've kind of been focusing a little bit on uh, kids remote learning but a lot of people do homeschooling or homeschooling for the first time uh and i I get a lot of questions and i don't this isn't really the place to talk about homeschooling in general but a couple things i want to mention that for technology related uh check out homeschool connections that is an, uh, a mm-hmm. nice pr- uh, program uh, that, that's out there. It's available where they can they have a teacher who connects with kids over Moodle, I think, is, a, is the uh, platform they use, which is it's sort of like Zoom. And they they have classes. My daughter has taken a bird watching class. She's taken a Shakespeare class. She just recently did a class on C.S. Lewis and Tolkien 
with Joseph Pierce, who's a, a great oh, very cool. world-renowned token scholar and Lewis scholar. Um, uh, it's really, and so you can do live classes. They also have recorded classes, which the, then you can progress through at your own pace. Uh, those are good. And uh, check out, whether your kids are in regular school or homeschool, check out Khan Academy, for especially for math. It's been a great thing for my daughter. She had so much trouble in math. A couple, like two years ago, she was like three grade levels behind. Uh, and uh, every day we started doing math here, sitting next to me <laughs> at my desk for an hour every morning on Khan Academy. And uh, she has now caught up to grade level. She's ready. To, she's doing high school math now. Uh, it's been just a great uh, app. Uh, it's an, I, we use the iPad app with the Apple Pencil, and it's been worked has worked great for her. So those are a couple of things I would recommend from the from a homeschooling perspective. A anything else on this? Let's just say you can take advantage of Google Docs. It's a good way, to, mm -hmm. good place to organize everything. Oh yes, yep, yes. Uh, that's one thing my wife has started doing with my daughter is uh, she has a weekly checklist of things to get done, and mm -hmm. so there's a shared Google Doc for every week that has her what she needs to get done this week and check it off as she completes it. Uh, shared Google Docs are a great tool for that. Thomas, anything left uh, on that? No, I think uh, that's we've covered it pretty well. I, I would say about homeschooling, um, if you are a parent who has been considering it and you still have time to consider whether or not you want to do it and you're gauging your experience in the spring as the marker for whether or not you want to do it, don't. Okay. Because homeschooling is not what we were doing in the spring. <laughs> that, that was crisis schooling. It is not anything like homeschooling at all. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Homeschooling. Yeah. A lot of, uh, a lot of homeschoolers were watching with, with horror at what people kept right. calling it homeschooling. They're like that is not what our life is like. That is not right. how it works. <laughs> our hair is on fire for mu much different reason. Than <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, a wholly different experience. So, uh, good. All right. So, any if if uh, if if you have uh, any questions for us on any of this topic of tech for school in 2020, uh, send in your messages to uh, technology at sqpn.com, and we'd be glad to address any of the any of your questions in this area as much as we can. All right. So let's move on. Talk about some headlines this week. Uh, first headline is an interesting one from Google. Uh, Android 11 will take away the camera picker. From your Android phones. So uh, until now, if you have uh, an Android phone, you and you could install a third-party camera app, so an, an app that takes photos, and you could have it be the one. Like if you're in, say, Instagram or Facebook, and you wanted to take a picture and post it on the service, you you'd press the at, you know, camera button, and then would let you choose which camera to use, whether the built-in one or a third-party one. That's going away, uh, and be and Google says it's a security and privacy issue. What do you guys think of this? This was one of those defining factors. Like people said, you can't do this on iOS, and no, right. they're not going to be able to on Android either. What do you think of this? I would say it's it's frustrating from a like a choices perspective. One of the nice things about Android was that you're able to do that, but. In all practicality, every time I would use a third-party camera app on Android, it was never ended up using them for more than a few tries anyway. So I don't know how much this really matters, but... Oh, it matters a lot. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> you hear people wax poetic about their camera. And, and I'll tell you, it's really interesting because sometimes you'll get an app that just interacts with the camera in the wrong way. And it, it flips the camera, for example. 
and you suddenly realize that you have an eye that droops and you've never realized that before because the camera's always <laughs> looking at you the right way and now all of a sudden it's flipped around and you're like why do i look like that that is so bizarre um so this it, it annoys me i I'll, I'll say it annoys me more than probably it should because i just use the the default camera but i liked the fact that you could pick a different camera if you wanted to it's just the uh, idea yeah, it's just the idea of like saying, okay, well, no, we're locking it down. And their reasoning behind it, I understand, but there are ways to handle it that they could, you know, provide more of a, when you're downloading these apps, they could provide more of the, okay, here's a warning of all the things that are going to happen in this app. Oh, and this is also a picture app. So remember, it will geotag your photos and right. there's nothing we can do about that. I think this just shows the bigger problem with the Android app store, how many unsecure things are on there and how many loopholes they have. Like if they would just clean up what apps they were allowing on there yeah. and also giving you more options of here's what, like you were saying, everything that it's going to access. Like mm -hmm. at a certain point, if you want a more open system, you're going to take those risks. If only it was like a walled garden. I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> so, so, well, and that's the thing, as I said, uh, as you, as you uh, referenced, the, the reasoning that Google gave is, is that the, the camera apps can grab a geotag or EXIF data uh, and that data can then be used in ways that you don't want them to, because you've like you, mm -hmm. you've given it the keys to the kingdom essentially, and it's got unfettered access to that that location data, and can harvest it. And frankly, there have been uh, several companies in recent years caught harvesting your location data, tracking you everywhere you went. Uh, what was the movie? Uh, the movie um, Ticket app. Remember that one? The really bad one that like you, you the subscribe for 10 bucks a month you go to all the movies you wanted i, I totally forgot. oh oh yeah movie uh, link i remember which one you're talking about i think that's it's something like that yeah i've totally I forgot about what you're talking about yeah they were, just kept track of everything that you were watching well yes well then it kept track of everywhere you went uh yeah. it was like tracking your location everywhere and selling that information so i get that but like you said there are ways to lock that down that don't require don't necessarily require taking away the functionality completely but yeah it's i can see it i guess i mean this is this is one of those things where uh, apple goes see <laughs> and you know and you gotta kind of go i guess yeah i feel like google is trying to make android more of a vertical system with each new release mm -hmm. yeah much more little tight tighter control of it do yeah. it do it i hope they both do it and then i hope someone actually finally releases a linux phone <laughs> that's, that's what i'm hoping for right there <laughs> there was that ubuntu one years ago that yeah never took off. Oh, it just it fell flat it was so sad but it was it was mostly because they just couldn't navigate the um the the phone part of the environment they had the the hardware right. was fine it was just trying to get on any of the major networks and figure out how to work with them and their coding of things and yeah yeah that's the big that's the big question one with day. all of these <laughs> one day all right, so let's talk about uh, another headline. Uh, Google, speaking of Google, this is the, must be the Google week. Google has rolled out some, some new features for uh, folks, especially out west, who are affected by the wildfires. Uh, thankfully, uh, those of us out east do not have to contend with the, the wildfires this year. We just have to have the dumpster fire of 2020 but, but, and hurricanes. So, uh, but, but they've got this new feature that if you search Google – for information on like one of the, they name the fires now, like the, the, the camp town fire or whatever you, know, if you search Google for that, it will pop up 
additional information about the fire uh you know a map of the fire and uh and well if you are giving it location data especially if like if you're searching from your phone it will even tell you where you are in relation to the fire and if you do a a, a map search it will route you around the area of the fire and that sort of stuff did you guys check this out and what do you think of the the features that they're rolling out i think it's taking the best of their technology and putting it to good use like that's the kind of thing i want a map to do right 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 I'm trying to think of like other ways that like besides like wildfires, ways it could be used. I mean, even in more mundane things like, uh, you know, like up here in the Northeast, a blizzard or something like that. Um, it could be used for, you know, routing people around and, and closed roads and that sort of thing, I guess. I think tornadoes move too fast for it to be of any use to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, but OK, so I'll give you this is this is my my sideways comment of the evening right here. Um, they. I want to know wh- where the Waffle Houses are closed around me because <laughs> apparently, and this is this, there was an article not too long ago, especially after uh, Hurricane Katrina. Apparently, Waffle House's emergency response system is like the pinnacle, so much so that many uh, other organizations that respond to emergencies look at the Waffle House and see whether or not it's closed. And if it's closed, they know that that's where they need to be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if Waffle House is closed, it's where you don't need to be. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Yeah, exactly. Send in Get the Cajun Navy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, and then uh, the the last headline I want to talk about this week is the, uh, if you remember the attack that hit Twitter about a month ago, uh, the bunch of teenagers hacked. They they basically socially engineered some Twitter and uh, folk, some Twitter employees that got gave them access to internal tools from the company that let them hijack prominent, very prominent uh, Twitter accounts and then use them for Bitcoin scams, which is you know so teen teen hacker <laughs> script kitty thing to do, but. Uh, <laughs> But apparently the techniques that are being used there have gone are well, well beyond Twitter. And a lot of companies are having to contend with what they're calling phone spear phishing, which is basically calling the phone directory of a company, especially if you could try to get anyone in their IT or uh, sysadmin departments and getting some finding someone who's. Uh, well, I'll just say dumb enough to fall for whatever scam you're you're trying to tell them that they give you access to something that you shouldn't have and it's become a problem actually there and some companies are having to have these huge training sessions for people like don't just give out passwords over the phone to people uh what, what did you guys think of this article i think really all you can do is double down on training people because yeah. no amount of security is going to help you if people are giving out their login information People are always your weakest link. Always yeah. your weakest link in security. The main and, bags um, are the problem. I'll, I'll <laughs> yeah. say, this, this brings up an interesting problem, though, um, with modern security. And that is that you have these companies that are monolithic um, organizations that just kind of start glomming on all of these other things. You know, like, why does Microsoft, why is Microsoft looking at buying TikTok? What logical sense does that make except in this like massive corporation swallowing everything uh world and 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 the reason this is a problem is because and and i can tell you how they're doing the spear phishing stuff is they're calling somebody in the directory they're saying oh i work at x uh 
added company or annexed company and I need access to this thing and it, you haven't given me admin rights to it yet. So I need you to elevate my rights. Here's my email address. Da, da, da. And they, they, I know they have a plan for how to do that. And it, and it really is just relying on people trying to help out and not knowing what the boundaries of their organization are anymore. I, w- I would say my experience with most large organizations, mostly nonprofits, but large large organizations, is their their security is extremely poor. Like like mm-hmm. the the password yeah. security, it's it's security theater. It it it's like all smoke and mirrors. Uh, you have to change your password every you know sixty days. But it's it, it, you can't use more than a six digit password or something. You know what I mean? It's like these crazy rules that on the one hand, it's supposed to be secure. On the other hand, well, it we need to be it's for our convenience that we don't enforce these stronger rules. And so, yeah, I agree. Like a lot of these companies, there's there it's security through obscurity, through security, through hope, hope and wishes. Yeah. <laughs> I would say at this point, if you're not using two-factor authentication, then it doesn't matter what you're doing. Right. And uh, people write down their passwords. They, they're easy to hack if you hit them hard enough. And a big problem is these is the two-factor that uses text messaging because the hackers, mm-hmm. what they do is they get they, – they engineer – they social engineer a SIM swap, which means getting the phone company to move your phone number, basically port your number to a different phone, a different SIM – and so that when the two-factor code gets texted, it shows up on their yeah. phone. And so they're in anyway. Uh, so it's got to be true two-factor so that it's on a separate app, not not a texting. Uh, separate app or like a YubiKey or something like that. Definitely, mm-hmm. definitely. Um, yeah. So the the big thing for our listeners is don't fall – don't – the the very basic security thing is never give out your password over the phone to anyone ever, ever, ever. For any reason, <laughs> for never any give reason. your password out. Don't. There's no. There's yeah. no reason for you. If if you need to reset your password, reset your password. Right. If, don't. Yeah. Even yeah. if you've called the company and you say I've dialed one eight hundred Microsoft and they're it's I know it's them. And the, if the guy on the other end asks for your password, tell him no. Just reset it if you need to. Like no, don't give your password to people. Uh, that's that's the first rule. And you know, don't just give out. Don't just trust someone on the on the phone because they sound trustworthy. Uh, that's the big. Thing. And I'll promise you, any any IT person worth their salt is not going to want to know your password because if they don't know your password. When things get done in your name, nobody can come back and say, well, you knew my password, so you could have done it. No, I don't want to know anyone's password. (laughs) One thing you don't want as an IT person is anybody's information. Yes. Yes. All right. So those those are our headlines uh, and some good advice there on that. So let's move on to our picks of the week. Uh, Thomas, let's go with uh, your pick of the week first. All right. So my pick of the week is uh, is one that's kind of. Uh, it's different from what I normally do. I, I, I haven't recommended Dwarf Fortress before because it was really, it's a really interesting game. But this game is um, a visual novel. It's called Tacoma, and it's on Steam. Um, it is a game about uh, you. You are a an AI retrieval specialist who has been sent on a mission to an abandoned space station to retrieve the AI core and bring it back to the corporation that owns it. And um, the game has no violence. It has no uh, action sequences, really. It's a very laid back game where you follow the happenings of things that have been recorded by the AI 
as you're going through searching for the ways to uh, unlock all the pieces that you need to get to the AI. And so you go in and like you start seeing um, augmented reality uh, recordings of things that happen on the station. And the mystery that unfolds in the game is absolutely amazing. And the reason I recommend it is because for the price of a movie, roughly, it's about $20 to get the game, you get a four-hour experience that is a fantastic story, absolutely amazing story. It would not work as a movie. It would not work as a book. It is exactly what it needs to be. And in my opinion, it's probably one of the most perfect video games that I've played wow. because it does all of the all of the right things. And again, like I said, no violence, no real action points to it, but it it is it tells a story. It has you involved. You 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 can explore as much as you want, so you don't necessarily have to find out everything about these people's lives, but you want to because you're moving through and learning about them and you're like, "Wow, how can I find out something more about him? Oh, he went to this college. Oh, okay, how interesting. Oh, he's got a son that did this." wait, is he the one that did the the thing that caused everybody to have the problem? And so you start wanting to discover the mystery. Hmm. And there's nothing that tells you you have to. You just end up wanting to do it. <laughs> wow. Cool. That sounds like a lot of fun. That does sound it fun. It is. Yeah. Absolutely fantastic game. I'll have to check it out. Uh, thank you. Jack, what's your pick this week? Uh, my pick is just more of a general recommendation. Um with kids stuck at home in quarantine, even if, if you're doing homeschooling or if you're doing part-time school or if you're doing virtual school, um, something that can be good to kind of augment all of that is uh, nature documentaries on Netflix or Amazon Prime, or there's even some on YouTube. Um, mm -hmm. But something like that where they can they can use a screen, but they're actually learning something. Um, like, you know, with my son, he's four and he likes things like Daniel Tiger and those kid shows like that. And I'm okay with that up to a point, but it's still not... It's still not ideal, but he really likes um, like planet Earth or blue planet, mm -hmm. things like mm -hmm. that, where he's actually learning something and it's he's interacting with nature where it's he can just kind of passively watch it. It's not tested. He's not doing an activity, but he's actually taking in information. Yeah. yeah. Recommended. Uh, Disney Plus has some good ones from National, Ge National yeah. Geographic, too, and Disney Nature. Those are some good yeah. ones, too. Um, yeah, my kids w w used to watch a lot on Netflix of the the, the documentary uh, the, bef that was before I used to work from home and the TV's in my office so yeah. <laughs> it makes it harder to do but yeah. uh, my son loved Monkey Thieves <laughs> which was a it was a, <laughs> a show about a, a gang of monkeys living in this city in India which is nice. just hysterical it is funny though um, my son is very particular he will not watch anything that does not have David Attenborough he's very specific <laughs> about that yeah <laughs> that, it's that voice yeah. he's got good taste good taste <laughs> excellent it's great my 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 three-year-old is always like daddy daddy yeah whale sharks let's watch whale sharks <laughs> and so you know i'm always like trying i'm trying to find more videos that i haven't watched of whale sharks <laughs> oh, at this point <laughs> i remember but yeah when my when my older son was was young the only thing he would he, that would settle him down when he was upset was uh fire engines i, I want to watch videos nice. of fire engines see pictures of fire engines I would spend like nights on Flickr with the hashtag, the, the, the tag of fire engine, <laughs> just paging through them to just keep them quiet and calm. But uh, the, yeah, the things you do, yeah. the things you do. Uh, all right. So my pick is interesting. So we have had some interesting uh, tech related uh, adjacent picks. My pick is related to the fact that I, had, I got a new laptop. And if you have a laptop and you're kind of a geek like me, you need stickers. 
you got to put stickers on it. And so, um, and I do the <laughs> typical geek, like I have a TARDIS and I have Star Trek and that sort of stuff, but I'm Catholic too. So I need some Catholic stickers. And so I'm going to recommend if you need some Catholic stickers, you know, vinyl stickers, that, that those are the, the best kind to get for, for like a laptop cover. Um, if you need Catholic vinyl stickers, check out Cassie P's designs. Uh, I'll put the link in the show notes, but it's Cassie, C-A-C-S-S-I-E, P's, P-E-A-S-E designs.com and she does like these great catholic stickers that are both traditional in the sense of the content but the style is very modern and uh, i hold one up for um the the guys here to see this is uh saint therese and uh i've got this great uh pier giorgio frazzati where he's climbing the mountain and it's cut out so it's so it's in the corner of my laptop cover um uh the the sacred heart ones so they're really great designs and you get the whole bunch of them for not much money. Like there's like a whole pack. You get all of her, de- her stickers for like 10 bucks. And then she also does wallpapers. So if you need wallpaper for your phone or wallpaper for your desktop, uh, she's got those for free. So uh, check that out. I, I, I recommend nice. Cassie P's designs for her stickers. That's all right. Awesome. Yeah. What a fun. Uh, I I got it I, for the longest time. I was like, I would never sully my computer with a sticker. It's like putting a bumper sticker on my car. Uh, now I'm like, oh, I love stickers. I'm going to sticker everything. <laughs> All right. So let's uh, wrap things up there. I want to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of technology, including Frank C, Claire R, David G, Alan R, and Oliver A. Their generous donations at uh, sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the secrets of technology in all the shows at StarQuest. You can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. So that's it from us. What did you think of our discussion? If you have any questions or comments, and actually, if you have suggestions for topics you'd like us to cover in the future or things that you have questions about, let us know. You can do that by commenting on the show at sqpn.com slash technology or the SQPN Facebook page, facebook.com slash Media. Or send an email to technology at sqpn.com. You'll find links from our discussion and our picks of the week on our show notes at sqpn.com. And we would greatly appreciate it if you would take a few moments right now to go to Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from and write a review there, a nice five-star review. You, you don't know how important it is for podcasts to get reviews uh, that helps us so much and so we really do appreciate it when you do that for us uh, and of course if you share the podcast with your friends uh, the, if you think they'll find some value in it we greatly appreciate that until next time Thomas Sanerho thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of technology it's been great Jack Barazzini thank you as well thanks Tom and once again I'm Dom Bettinelli thank you for listening to the secrets of technology on StarQuest <laughs>